Hey, listen, I want you to get your all-in booklet out. We are in week three of this all-in initiative. If you don't have the all-in book and you happen to slide in today without one, uh, I want to serve you well by our ushers standing by to get you an all-in book. So if you need one, would you just maybe hop a hand up just like this, keep it up in the air, wave it like you need one. <clears throat> and uh, while you're doing that, just keep a hand up and... Uh, while we're doing that for everybody else, I want you to take a look at this slide here. The annual business meeting for our church will be on March 5th uh, from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. So that we don't interfere with the rest of our groups that are happening all throughout the week. Uh, we will have our special group. It's a, it's a day of celebration. Uh, we, uh, we report on what all God did in 2016. Uh, we also have uh, two people that will be um, approved to serve as deacons, trustees, really uh, my right-hand team. Uh, besides our pastoral staff that serve in counsel and in wisdom uh, and serve the, the local church by serving the pastor well. I have an incredible deacon team of seven gentlemen and uh, two will be stepping off of that team in, as their, their term has expired and we'll be uh, ratifying two new individuals uh, to serve. If you have someone, if you're a member of the church and you have somebody you'd like to nominate, uh, you can see all the qualifications and requirements over in the kiosk out in our lobby and you can fill out a nomination form, just a, a a little slipped and give a name that somebody we might consider. Uh, and then uh, we'll be presenting those that have been approved to, uh, to serve on that business meeting. So I want to let you know about that. Enough housekeeping. Let's go back to the book. Make sure you've got your name on the book. Make sure you're looking through it. You're praying over it. This is way more than a two. Uh, this is way more than a series of messages. This is a very strategic two-year initiative of accomplishing all that God is calling us to accomplish. In the pages of this book, you'll see that we are called, our vision, what we want to look like down the road is to be a church that is creating community destinations. In fact, what everybody say it out loud with me. Let's go. Creating community destinations where anyone can find and follow Jesus. I, uh, I, I want there to be an understanding that we ought to be unashamed at having big, crazy, audacious dreams for the local church because it's the only organization that Jesus said he wanted to build. It's the only movement that he said, I will build. And, and we are not building Disneyland. We're not building uh, uh, Home Depots. We're building the local church where anyone can find and follow Jesus. And nobody has a problem with big old stadiums costing a bajillion dollars. And nobody has a problem with uh, going to Disney World. It is the most magical place on earth. And nobody has a problem with fun, a great restaurant and great food and putting excellence into that restaurant. And I had have no problem standing before you dreaming big dreams about what God is calling us to do, who he's calling us to be, where he's calling us to go, what he's calling us to accomplish, uh, because we are dreaming big for God. I want to tell you, everything you read about that we want to do in those books, we can't do it on our own. We just can't do it. It's way too big. But if we will put God first, if we'll trust him with fear and trembling, with deep reverence and respect, God's going to come through and he's going to do an amazing work in the middle. We've been doing this for 90 years, everybody, and God's come through time after time after time. We're 90 years old. And by the time we turn 100 years old, we're not going to have a, be careful with the church. They're 100 years old. Here's your walker and your tennis balls, Timber Creek Church. No. We're going to go out full strength. We're say 100 years old. We're the youngest, most agile, most versatile, most crazy, big old dreaming kind of church. I, I was talking with Joe Kilgore. Joe, would you just stand up, Joe? I'm, I'm, I'm going off the thing. Stand up, Joe. I love this guy right here. He, man, he has got like a, I have not seen a guy with a better Magnum PI mustache, by the way. I love that mustache, Joe. Joe, I was sitting with coffee with him the other day and I, and I was saying, you know, I'm dreaming this and I'm, I'm thinking, man, what if in a hundred years we could, and I was telling him some details and he said, no. I said, what? He said, you're not dreaming big enough. Joe, I love your generation, what you represent. And I love that you're saying to your pastor, dream bigger, dream bigger. Love you, Joe. All right. To create community destinations where anyone can find and follow Jesus, it's going to take all of us going all in. I make no bones about it. There's no kind of secret back door into this sermon series. This has to do with faith. It has to do with discipleship. It has to do with financial stewardship. 
and you're here and you say financial stewardship and you're a guest and you visited for the first time today and you're going to talk about money. I knew all a church wants is our money. Nope, that's Home Depot. Nope, that's your sudden link payment. Nope, that's your car. That's Honda. Not, 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 not us. We want everything for you, not from you. When I talk about finances, it's not like my salary goes up and down by the, the, the percentage of giving. Uh, I'm taken care of by this church. My wife and I are so fortunate to be a part of this great church and, and, and we don't have to work an outside job in order to really dedicate, or Janet does, but I don't have to serve an outside job to be able to focus on, on this. She's got to work, you know, she's got you know, to pay the bills. But, but uh, no, God's called her where she is and the kind of influence God's given her in her position is crazy. We, we just, God's just been so good to place us right here in Lufkin, Texas. We couldn't imagine being anywhere better. We couldn't imagine being anywhere. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want you to want me to go anywhere. We're ready to be here. We're going to be here. And Lord willing, we're going to celebrate that 100th birthday all together and then beyond. All right? So thank you, all three of you. That's, that's good. Nah, nah, whatever. Okay. Turn your, turn your notes to page 46. Now listen, I'm going to talk fast. Will you listen fast? I'm going to talk fast. Will you listen fast? All right, the faster you listen, the faster I can go. So we're gonna talk, we got a lot to cover, but everything I'm saying to you, listen here. I believe it's critically important for the vibrancy and the future of our church. We can say, I go all in, Lord, but we've got to really, in order to go all in, we've got to be all in, everything. There was this traveling youth group that went to our church when I was a kid. I remember this from being a kid. And they did this little, we call them now human videos, but they, they had these boxes and there were these teenagers, and it was back in the, the, the late 80s, or early 80s actually. And they were singing this song and they sang this song that said, Oh Lord, I give you everything. Oh Lord, I give you everything but these. And then they went on to this list. I give you everything but these. My 501s and my new blue sweater my Ray-Ban shades and my old love letters, my stereo with 10,000 watt speakers, my friends at school and my Reebok sneakers, my pizza parties and my private life, my driver's license and something else I don't remember. Oh Lord, I give you everything but these. <laughs> God's calling us to give everything. I, I, and it all starts with the heart, not with the hands. It starts with the heart. Today, I want to talk to you about trust and honor. There on your notes, would you just write the words trust and honor? Trust and honor. And let's begin by talking about trust. Do you trust the Lord? I want you to think about that question for a moment. Do I trust the Lord? with everything. Can I trust the Lord? Will I trust the Lord? In the early 1800s, there was a man by the name of Charles Blondin. It wasn't his original name, it was his stage name. And he was a famous gymnast and acrobat. And Charles Blondin uh, uh, just came on the stage like a fireball in these different feats of danger that he would perform in front of large audiences all across the nation. But really, he got, re he got super popular when he went to Niagara Falls and he stretched a tightrope, a high wire, from one side of Niagara all the way to the other in the early 1800s. And he, on a tightrope, without a net, without any kind of uh, safety harnesses, with, with just his balancing beam, he walked across. This is the 1800s. I mean, we've seen it all now, you know. But, but, but back then, it was like, what? <laughs> And he, he went and began to walk and, and, and thousands upon thousands of people started showing up to watch the great Charles Blondin walk across the stage, watch, walk, walk across uh, uh, Niagara Falls. And so, you know, once you walk across, you know, that kind of loses its flavor. So the next time he goes, a couple weeks later, he, he's on stilts and he walks across Niagara on stilts. Are you kidding me? but he's not gonna be outdone. He then stops a couple few days later, another crowd shows up for 25 cents a piece. I mean, big time tickets. 
show up and he takes a little burner, Bunsen burner kind of type of stove and he gets it out into the middle of the tightrope. He cracks an egg and he cooks an omelet and he eats an omelet in the middle of the tightrope. And it's like one thing after another, after another, oh, finally, finally what he's known most famously for is his feet with a wheelbarrow. Now, some of you might say wheelbarrow. Some of you might say wheelbarrow. The actual term is B-A-R-R-O-W, just giving you a little elementary fact there, wheelbarrow. He takes the wheelbarrow and he goes across the tightrope holding the wheelbarrow. It's crazy, it's nuts. It was a Timber Creek Church wheelbarrow, did you see that? It's like, okay, enough with the branding, everybody. That's ridiculous. Like, we're going to start giving everybody tattoos at Timber Creek here pretty soon. If it'll lead people to Jesus, let's sign up. He goes across and he stops and the crowd goes crazy. Ah, blonde. He says, now watch. He puts a potato sack over his head. And he goes back across with a potato sack over his head. No holes in the potato sack. And he goes across. And everybody on the other side is screaming like crazy. They are so amped. They are so excited. They're so pumped. When he gets there, he says, he takes the potato sack off. He says, how many of you believe? And they go, how many of you believe I can go back across blindfolded? Yeah. How many of you believe I can carry someone in the wheelbarrow with me? Yeah. Who will volunteer? <laughs> Not as many people were quick to say yeah. when they had to put their belief into action. See, it's one thing to believe something. It's, a, it's another thing to trust. It's one thing to believe somebody. It's another thing to trust somebody. It's not enough just to believe in God. The enemy believes in God. I've got to trust in God. I, I can't just believe he is who he says he is, although that's huge. He is the, Jesus is who he says he is, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that before the foundations of the earth were formed, the Lamb of God would be slain. He had a plan before time began to give his most valuable treasure in heaven to us as a sacrifice to pay for the sin that he knew we would have upon us that would separate us from God. And he provided, he bridged the gap from one side of Niagara to the other with his son and he created access to God. And it's all about Jesus. He's the bridge. He is the relationship. It's all comes down to Jesus and what he has done, what he will do. It's never what you could ever do. It's about what he's already done. Do you believe that? Can you trust him though? Because it's one thing to say, I trust you. It's another thing to step out and actually trust with our actions. God is asking you and me today, do you believe me? Do you believe I am who I say I am? Do you believe in my breathed word? Do you believe that I am the same yesterday, today, and forever? Do you believe that I'll never leave you or forsake you? Do you believe it, yes or no? Yes or no, do you believe it? Of course you do, of course you do. Do you believe he is who he says he is? Do you believe he has plans for you, not to harm you, but to prosper you? Plans for a hope and a future? Do you believe it, yes or no? Okay, you can believe it. Do you trust me though? God says, do you trust me? Do you really trust me? Does your functional trust go beyond your lip service of saying yes? If you trust me, God's saying to you and to me, get in the wheelbarrow. Be willing to trust my hands and my guidance you may not know where we're going. You may not know what's next, but can you trust me to carry you, take you, guide you, lead you, even over troubled waters, even over crazy Niagara in your life? Can you trust me? Get in the wheelbarrow. And when it comes to believing in God and trusting with our actions, there comes this huge crowd that says, yeah, to ooh, get in the wheelbarrow. That's some 
faith right there. Our character for this study is the man Abram, who, who God called in the book of Genesis to be the father of many nations, that all the other generations would be blessed by Abram. And in the book of Genesis chapter 12, we started off on week one by reading this line, this scripture, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. Did he already know where he was going? No, he said, get in the wheelbarrow, get in the wheelbarrow and let's go. So Abram had to leave his native country. He did, look, 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 look. Abram was married and was 75 years old at the time. And the Bible says that the Lord spoke to Abram, but it didn't say anything about the Lord speaking to Mrs. Abram. So he had to go one day and say, Sarai, how you doing? Pancakes taste great this morning. Listen, <laughs> we gotta leave, we gotta go. I mean, I, I, guys, I don't recommend that necessarily unless God tells you to do it. Years ago, Jana and I were living in Wichita, Kansas, and Jana was on a business trip to North Dakota, of all places, and, and she was coming home late at night back into Wichita, didn't get home till midnight. And while she was gone, I don't recommend this, guys. I don't know what I was thinking. I was young and dumb and in love, but I was young and dumb. And while she was gone, I decided that we needed to sell the house. And so I got a for sale sign from Home Depot. I made, I took pictures, made my own little publisher document for sale by owner. And when she got home at midnight from the airport into our driveway, she pulled up and the, and the lights glanced off a for sale by owner sign in our front yard. And she's like a fireman busts open the door to the master bedroom. It's midnight. What are you doing? <laughs> I said, ah, I meant to tell you, but like, you know, forgot. <laughs> it was an idiot. Oh, well, we talked about it. Sure enough, eight days later, we sold it for 19,000 more than we were even asking. God just had a plan. And it was only two, it was only a week later after we got the contract that a man by the name of Andy Salagay, who was my predecessor, called me out of the blue and said, God woke me up in the middle of the night and told me to talk to you about possibly moving here. God just moves. I, I, can't, I can't, I couldn't make that timeline up. It's just, the Lord knows. And we had to get in the wheelbarrow when it came to our house. Lived with my parents 90 days or, or uh, 60 days. You talk about getting in the wheelbarrow, everybody. Living in the basement, no pun. I mean, that's exactly what it was. It was crazy. And Abram had to trust God in the middle of him speaking and, and, and convince his wife. And so we read in the next chapter in verse, in chapter 13, we start the journey. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had. And Lot went with him, his nephew. Now watch, Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold. He's now a fortune 500. He's living up Abraham and sons incorporated, okay? No sons, actually, Abraham and nephew, <laughs> incorporated. Now Lot, his nephew, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. They were growing like crazy in this organization of Abraham Inc., Abram Inc. Quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. Anybody ever had quarrels arise in family? This is what happens. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. If you would remember this scripture in the middle of Thanksgiving and Christmas, you say, oh, Genesis 13, 8, Genesis 13, 8, you know, and then you quote it out loud to your friend, your, 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 your sister, and you're like, ah, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine. She's like, what are you calling my family, cows? You know, that was stupid. For we are close relatives. I'm just on a roll, everybody. Is not the whole land before you? Abram said, let's part company. And here's what Abram does. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the... He put it in God's hands and put it in Lot's decision. He trusted the promise of God. Now Lot looked around and saw that he, the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoar was well watered like the garden of the Lord. 
They'd only heard about the garden of the Lord as the garden of Eden. And it was so lush, so rich, so beautiful, so plentiful by the eyes standard. Lot is sitting there with an option to go right or go left. And he sees like what looks like the garden of Eden. He's got Hawaii here, Honolulu. And over here, Reno, Nevada, Honolulu, Reno. And Abram says, choose, choose, because God is ordering me which way to go, and I'm going to trust him regardless of what you choose. What I find interesting here, just a little side nugget, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. Later, we read the very next book in Exodus, how the land of Egypt wasn't so, wasn't so beautiful, wasn't so great. In fact, it was there that they spent 400 years in bondage underneath the Egyptian rule. Just because something looks good, everybody, just because it smells good, just because it seems good to the eye, the same way that the fruit on the tree seemed good to the eye of Eve. Watch out, watch out. Trust God, not just your own senses. The Bible goes on to say in verse 11, so Lot chose for himself. He made his own decision. The whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the, plain, of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Later we find that Sodom being close to the, to the zip code of Sodom and Gomorrah was a dangerous place to be because they were rampant with sin and debauchery and wickedness. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, all the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. Lot chose for himself. Abram trusted palms up with God, and God gave him. And sure enough, we're standing here today understanding Jesus because all nations were blessed through Abram because Jesus came out of the line, although he was divine, divinely uh, married, divinely conceived supernaturally. Jesus comes from the line of David, David from the tribe of Judah, Judah from uh, the, the loins of Jacob. Jacob came from uh, 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 Isaac. Isaac comes from Abraham. And all of the world is blessed by Jesus through Abraham. So Abraham went to live near the, greatest, the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents. What it doesn't say about Lot, but it says about Abraham is right here. There, he built an altar to the Lord. Everywhere he went, he put God first. Everywhere he went, he built an altar for the Lord. It wasn't about him. It was all about God. You with me so far? Abram lived a yes, God life, write it down. Abram left a yes, God legacy. But the difference maker was this. The difference maker in Abram's life was as follows. Here it was, you ready? It was counterintuitive trust. It was trust to say yes to Reno when everything in your senses would be saying yes to Honolulu. He said yes to leave his native country where everybody knows his name, like an episode out of Cheers, to go to a place where nobody knew him, where he was in enemy territory. In fact, he had to deal with enemies. The difference maker was counterintuitive trust. Can you trust that God is who he says he is? He's spoken what he's spoken. And no matter what you feel at the time, you can trust his word and his guidance in your life. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? All. All, 92% isn't all. Do you know what? When you, re, when you do a Greek study of the original uh, uh, language of the word all here, do you know what it means? All, that's it. Yeah, there's no special thing there. It just means all. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, all your ways, submit, yield, how many of you understand, you got to figure out submission. You got to understand yielding when you're leaving this parking lot on the loop because that car on the acceleration lane and where we are, that's like a, that's a disaster waiting to happen if somebody don't submit. Submit to the Lord in all your ways and he'll make your paths. He'll make your on-ramp to this loop straight, but you got to trust him and submit to him. That's trust. Can you trust? Can you get in the wheelbarrow with Jesus? 
Can you trust him to guide you across the high wire, the tightrope of life, and say, you got this, Lord. I'm going to trust you no matter what it is. That's trust. Now let's talk about honor. You know, you can go on Facebook, and if you search pretty quick, I bet, you could find a meme with like a cross and a purple sash and a sunset or a sunrise, and you could find the scripture we just read, that one like written over it, couldn't you? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, you know? Beautiful. And you share it, that and something about kittens, okay? And you share that and you're like, oh, sweet, like, you know. But do you know that just like, this is verse five, this is verse six, but down just two different script, two scriptures down, we get a scripture on honor. And I have a feeling that this one isn't as shared on Facebook because it's a little uncomfortable. It's a little bit more getting out onto the wheelbarrow. It's a little bit more trust, not just believing that I trust in the Lord, lean not on my own and say, I believe that. This is like getting in the wheelbarrow, everybody, because here's what he says, just two scriptures later in verse nine. Honor the Lord with your what? Well, it's a good thing I ain't wealthy. <laughs> that does not mean what it means. Everything you have is your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And it doesn't stop there. It says something very specific about your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the what? First fruits of all your crops. See, that's not being passed around on Facebook. If you send this a hundred times and give this likes, you will be blessed by the Lord. By, by the way, don't do that. Jesus is not up in heaven saying, oh, they're at 98. Once they get to 100 likes, I'm gonna bless them. Somebody's like, I send those all the time. I know, I get them, I get them. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, all your cash, all your dollars, y'all, all your cheddar. All your crops is all your wealth. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. You know, nobody would complain if today the Lord filled your barn with overflowing. Nobody complained if tomorrow vats were brimming over with new wine. And we may pray for that. He said, hey, I'm gonna show you how to do it. This is not a get rich quick. This is not a faith and prosperity, put an offering in the plate and all of a sudden you get a Mercedes, that's stupid. That's just dumb. That that's using God like a slot machine. What he's saying is, honor me, honor me, especially when it comes to the stuff that's hard to honor me with. You know why people get funny when you talk about money? Because it's hard for people to really trust the Lord with their finances. It's really hard. And so you walk into the room or you have a conversation. It's like, ah, church just after my money or ah, that's, that's whatever. Oh, that's Old Testament or that's, that's the law. It's way even before the law. It's, it's principle all through scripture from Genesis to Revelation. The, script, the, the, the principle of putting God first in everything, including your finances. And how, why is it? If it weren't such a hard thing, we wouldn't be talking about it, everybody. It's a hard thing, but it's the right thing. And you can worship God and say, it is well with my soul. But your soul isn't exactly where it needs to be if you're not honoring him with everything in your life, including your finances. Your barns will be filled. God is honored when you give him this. Would you write this down? God is honored when you give him what he wants, when he wants, how he wants it. God is honored when you give him what he wants, when he wants, and how he wants it. How many parents we have in the house? Raise a hand. Don't you love the scripture? Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Don't you love that? Don't you love the scripture to your, to your kids? Honor your father and mother. Do you know, how, you know how your kids honor you? By doing what you want, when you want, how you want it. Oh yeah, I got an amen. So, 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 so let's, let's, let's try this on. Let's try this on for size. I want my eight-year-old son to clean the room. Clean your room. I love you. Clean your room. Yes, I've got Shipley's Donuts. Clean your room. Okay, what do I want? I want him to clean the room. 
But just for him to know I want him to clean the room isn't really honoring to me, is it? Yeah, I heard you, dad. I heard that you want me to do that. I honor you. No, when and how? So if I say, hey, I'd like you to clean your room before, before we go get in the car to go to school. I want your, your room clean before we, go, we get in the car. And we get ready to get in the car and the room ain't clean. Okay, I come in and say, what's going on? Well, I'm gonna clean the room. I just didn't have time. I just didn't have time. No, 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 no. I asked you to do it when I wanted you to do it. And then how? Because he may have done it before we got in the car to go to school, but he pushed everything, including like Cheetos and leftover, you know, cheese from a Lunchable and, and whatever. We're not a very healthy family, I guess. Uh, carrots and, and, and cucumbers. And he pushes it all underneath the bed. And I go in after four days and it's smelling funky in there because he cleaned the room, but he didn't do it the way I wanted him to clean the room. He just pushed it all underneath the bed. But see, my son honors me when he does what I ask, when I ask and how I ask. That's a beautiful way to honor your parents. It's a beautiful way to honor one another, but we wanna do it our own way. We've got our own versions. We've got our own ways to honor God. Ah, that's what the pastor says, but yeah, I'm good with just this. The word of God is either the word of God or it's not. And I'm called to challenge you on all things in your life, including the way you handle your finances on what he wants in regards to your finances, when he wants in regards to your finances and how he wants in regards to your finances. So let's look at those. What does he want? First of all, he wants all of you. That's, he wants all of you. That's what he wants. He wants, every, he wants all of you all of your heart, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. But he also says through his son Jesus that your, where your heart is, your treasure will be. And one of the ways he knows that he has all of you is he looks at your heart, and he also can see where your treasure is. That's not an indictment. That's not like a bad thing. It's just reality. It's truth. Your heart and your treasure are connected. I love my kids, I love my wife. Do you know where a big old piece of my finances go? To my children and my wife. I also love Chick-fil-A. Do you know where <laughs> my treasure goes? My pleasure, yeah, I'm sure it's my pleasure. 18 bucks for two number threes. What does he want? All of you and your heart and treasure combined. So you can't, I'm, I'm just saying, listen, listen, I know. Look, do you think I want to sit here and talk about finances? It's not like the number one. I love to talk about uncomfortable topics today. But you need to hear this. And you, you got to get this through. You got to understand it. You got to believe it. Well, I'm a widow or well, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that. No, 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 no. Don't make excuses. Don't make excuses. I'm single or I'm, I'm, I'm got credit card debt or I don't know. I'm going through a divorce. I, I, I'm, 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 I just want to tell you the truth, and then I'm going to help you take a next step with what God has for you. He wants all of you. When does he want it? First thing. He doesn't want to wait around and be fourth place to be first. He wants to be first. He wants to be first place in your life. And he wants all of your heart first thing and everything in your life first thing. It's why we dedicate our children while they're young. We don't guarantee their salvation. That's not what we're doing. We're not praying into them into the kingdom of God, but we're dedicating ourselves. He, he wants your, your, your first and how does he want it? From the right heart. So you can hear this message and out of obligation, out of crankiness, out of uh, begrudging, you can begin to give God offering. But that's not the right heart. He wants all of you first thing with the right heart. So how can I really know if I'm putting God first? Look at your checkbook and look at your calendar and you'll be able to see. Am I putting God first? God ought to be the first person you talk to in the mornings. Agreed? Not good morning, not, not, oh, good God, it's morning, but good morning, God. Good morning, Lord. For your two feet hit the ground, just to say thank you, Jesus, and have time with him. He ought to be the first person you talk to. God's house ought to be your first priority every week. It's why, why this Sunday, first day of the week, get in, be a part of God's work, God's house, God's family. Let it be the first thing you do. Don't neglect the coming together in his house. It ought to be the first thing you do in the week. It gets your week started off right. God ought to be the first consultant you sit with when making decisions. 
God ought to be the first counselor you seek out when you're hurting. God ought to be the first investment you make with your paycheck. First, there's just this law throughout scripture. See, you can talk to Charles and Edward and Merrill, Edward Jones, Charles Schwab and Merrill Lynch. You can, you can talk to those guys and they've got a plan for your money. In fact, everybody's got a plan for your money, don't they? Everybody's got a plan. 401s, 403s, 529s, uh, uh, you know, ETFs and mutual funds and, and, and you, you, you name it, IRAs and, 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 you know, OMGs, you know, just everywhere. And what God says is really simple. His investment portfolio has two, two words that are his direction, me first. When it comes to your finances, God's practical financial investment strategy for you is as simple as me first. Me first. Okay? Now I want to break that down for you and show you what that looks like. It takes zero faith to put him last, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm going to trust myself. I'm going to get in my own wheelbarrow and I'm going to do it over here. I'm not going ride, to ride the high rope with the, with the Lord. I'm going to do my own thing. It takes real faith, true faith to put God first. And that's how we honor him, by putting him in first. When we don't do things in God's order, we invite trouble to our doorstep. How do I know this? Look at one of the very first stories in the Bible, Genesis chapter four. We read about Cain and Abel. And here's what it says. Adam made love to his wife Eve. Well, we just got PG-13 in here. Adam made love to his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now, most scholars believe that, that they were twins because the, the history of the word of God shows that every time someone would conceive that they would say, again, he lay with his wife and she conceived and gave birth to a son or gave birth to a daughter. And so it goes right to later she gave birth. So the second child of the twin, most scholars agree, they're twins, gave birth and his brother's name was Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. Both were great jobs. There wasn't a job that was more important. One became a successful uh, uh, rancher and the other one became a successful farmer. Okay, one was a farmer, one was a rancher, both were successful. Now, what does this say? In the course of time, eventually, when he got around to it, when he remembered, if he even did it, on occasion, in the course of time, Cain brought some, how much? Some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. So he brought an offering, but what was important in this scripture here? The time and what? What he wants, when he wants, and how he wants, okay? Now let's keep going. Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, ribeye marbled ribeye from some of the firstborn of his flock. From the what? Oh, well, interesting. Some of the very firstborn. So he didn't go around and look for the smallest one. He didn't go around and look for the one with the blemish. He didn't look for the one that was a brat that he just wanted to get rid of. Some of the firstborn of his flock, the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain, here's what's funny, because God didn't look on favor because Cain, when he got around to it, he honored God because that wasn't really honoring him. Cain was angry. Cain was angry about it. And his face was downcast. He's all, you know, frown upside down in, in, in need of. That sounded like Yoda. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, Cain? Why is your frown upside down, your smile upside down? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you don't do what is right, so what is he saying is, if you'll do things in my timeline and you'll do things in the way I've called you to do it, you'll be accepted. But if you don't do what's right, sin's crouching at your door like a ninja. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Some people, the book of Proverbs say, ruin themselves by their own stupid actions and then blame the Lord. And that's what Cain was doing. Ah, oh, you didn't accept mine. And he ends up killing his brother over it. He kills his brother over his twin over it. 
And then he blames God about it. And you know what, you know what they're really, really dealing with here? This four letter word that we all learn really young. What is it? Mine, mine. It just sounds evil, doesn't it? Mine, <laughs> mine. It's just mine. And I mean, I just, I just heard it last night at the basketball game across the bleachers. A mom saying, no, 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 no. We're sharing, we're sharing, we're sharing. And the heavenly father says, share and understand, share and understand how I want, when I want, what I want. But we love to say what? Mine, it's just in us. It's just in us, mine. And that was the issue it came. It's mine, why do you want my first? Why be greedy with God? Don't be, don't be greedy with God, everybody. Don't be greedy. Each year, bring to the house of the Lord your God the first grain that you harvest. Exodus 23. Look what Jesus says. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Why is the first so important to God? Because God gave us his first and his very best. He's not asking you to do anything he didn't already model by the gift of his one and only son. In fact, we read in 1 Corinthians, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. It's God's gift to us. It's his fat portion to us. The son is the image of the invisible God. The what? Firstborn over all creation. And then this very popular verse, you could add this. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. But really what he's saying is his one and only first fruits, only firstborn, his only most valuable, highest, grandest, most beautiful offering. That's what he gave you and me, everyone. He gave us his son. If God was willing to give his absolute best for me, shouldn't I trust him enough to honor him with my finances? That's the question. If he was willing to give his son, why am I hung up? Why am I hung up on not giving him his portion? Don't go the route of Cain. Have the heart of Abel. The all-in goal that we've been talking about is to raise the stewardship and generosity level of our church to a way that we can launch into these next 10 years with, I mean, like a catalyst of energy to get done what we need to do in the first two years from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Our Jerusalem is Lufkin, 75904, 75901, Angelina County, Judea and Samaria, the Nacogdoches campus that we're launching, the prison campuses, all the extra community outreach that we wanna accomplish and the partnerships we wanna do here here, then the ends of the earth from church planting and reaching unreached people groups who have never heard the name of Jesus in their own language to digging water wells and creating community destinations in the middle of villages in places where they got to walk miles to get water. And we're not going to build rock walls for their kids, but we're going to provide fresh, clean water in their village and set a church up next to it. And it's not going to be the living water. It's going to be fresh water. And we're going to do all that. But in order to do it, we got to all go all in. And we've got two goals. The secondary goal is the 8 million. Already in two years, we receive about 4.2 million. And so we almost have to double. That's the goal, the secondary, but that's the goal is almost double our giving. Think about that. Think about that. Double what we're giving. That's a lot. It's not gonna happen on our own. God's gonna have to perform a miracle for it to be done. But that's the secondary goal. The goal is that everybody just do something. Everybody go all in. Everybody be a part to go all in so we can go all out. Make a commitment to make a commitment. Now, for giggles and for contemplation, I want to show you something. In Angelina, the average household income is $54,726. You may be under that. You may be over that. You may be right in the middle. We've got all sorts of people. This isn't a rich church. This isn't a poor church. This is a church anyone can come to regardless of what your financial economic status is, okay? We got millionaires sitting in, in next to, you know, dollar menuaires, okay? We got millionaires and dollar menuaires, all right? We got both and that's okay. We want both, all right? In fact, God's called us to reach rich people 
And he's called us to reach people that don't have a dollar to their name. And nobody ever shakes you down before you walk out with offering. Like, oh, did you get? Oh, let's shake that offering plate in front of you. You have the opportunity to give and you, you don't have to give anything. Nobody's obligated to give other than what the scripture compels us to do. And that is to put him first with our heart and where our heart is, our treasure will follow. But look at this. If the average is 54,700, some of you are doing the math. They're like, is that our household income? Some of it's more, some of it's less, some of it's 10 times more, some of it's way, way, way less. Okay. But look at this. The tithe off of 54,726 for a family is 54,72. Last year we had, um, estim- we're, we're, we're rounding up just a little bit. It was like 970 something, but let's say a thousand donors just giving the average tithe of 54,72. We have about a thousand donors in 2016. That would be a, a yearly income of $5,472,000. So what does that mean? That means in two years, if we just tithed, we would way surpass a huge, crazy goal of 8 million. And we would almost have 3 million in reserve. You know what we could do? Reach a whole lot of people faster, plant a whole lot more campuses, dig a whole lot more wells. If everybody gave the 10th, the tithe, but when you think about that and you're already giving to everybody else and you got no money left at the end of the month, How do you do that? You gotta start somewhere. The primary goal is not to get everybody tithing today. Although you should, you should trust God with the fat portion. You should trust God with the first fruits, the 10th. You should, you should. It's the baseline of the Bible. And I'm not telling it to you because I get some kind of commission off of offerings. I'm telling it to you because it's God's word. And Janet and I have never, she's gone, she's lived. Did the rapture happen? For as hard of a time as I give her, the rapture probably did happen. You know? God's going to take care of this part. God's calling all of us to do this part. I want you to take in your seat back pocket with the time we have left. And I want you to, everybody in the room, everybody, husband, wife, young, old, you name it, not so old, whatever. Take the commitment card out of your seat back pocket. You're gonna hang on to this, you're gonna take it home. It may end up in your trunk. It may be washed in your jeans, whatever. I just want you to take it out and, talk, and, and look at this for a moment, okay? If you don't have one in your seat back pocket, maybe hand one to the person next to you. Everybody get an all-in commitment card. You can see in this all-in commitment card on the big screen and right where I have it right here, your name and address and all that. And I wanna show you this piece right here, okay? Everybody is a potential giver. And I'm not asking everybody to start right now to go all in with the tithe because maybe you are, you're you're nervous about that. I think you could do it. I think you could do it and God would show up in such a big way. But if you've never trusted him, start somewhere, start somewhere. And there's those of you that never come to church with the thought, I mean, you don't go to the movie theater without saying, I'm gonna need some money to buy a ticket right? You go prepared. I'm not asking you to consider this a movie theater. I'm saying to you, think about when I go to church, obviously I can emerge and do something. Just do something. And those of you that do something on occasion, but not consistently, I'm inviting you to come and be a consistent giver. That the same way you pay your bills monthly, Lord willing, that you would give consistently, either weekly or monthly to the, to the house of God. It may not be a 10% yet, but you get there. It's 5%, it's 7%, it's 2%, it's something. Start being consistent with bringing, not over the course of time, not when you get around to it. Don't have that heart of Cain, have the heart of Abel and bring your best to the Lord when he's called you to do it. And that's first thing. Some of you, you've been here for a while and I'm challenging you now. It's time for you to step up and be a tither to give that 10%, to trust God with that portion. I I, I have never had a conversation with someone saying, you know, everything was going great and then I began to tithe and everything tanked. I've never had that conversation. You know why? Because it's not my guarantee, it's God's guarantee. I'm just telling you. You will make tons of investments in your life. Why did I buy the ab machine that, that, that shocks my abs? It obviously worked. No, that was a poor investment. 
but I have never regretted putting God first in my finances with the tithe. Jana and I don't know what life is like not putting God first. Our children don't know what it's like for their parents not to put God first in their finances. I just believe God, it doesn't mean that everything turns out okay. No, no, Janet's 36 year old sister died of breast cancer. She tithed all her life. But I'll tell you what, when the breast cancer was eating her alive, she still was trusting the Lord. Her heart was completely with the Lord. She was in the wheelbarrow. Regardless of what circumstances said, she was in the wheelbarrow. When she died, she tithed on her estate because she believed in that principle so much. Some of you, you wanna jump from tithe and now you're gonna give above and beyond. I've had conversations with people, you're going above and beyond now. I'm so proud of you. Jana and I are giving to the all-in initiative like we've never given before. Now here's what this looks like. I'm gonna give you three examples and we're done. And I've kept you just a little late. If you'll stay with me just for a few more minutes, how many of you give me two more minutes? You give me two more minutes? Oh, this is an old pastor joke. Two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20. 20 more minutes, okay, here we go. Just kidding. So let's say I'm making these names up, Jim and Nancy. Jim and Nancy, okay? If you're a Jim and Nancy in the room, I'm not talking about you. I'm just coming up with Jim and Nancy, all right? Jim and Nancy, let's say their household income, they both have good paying jobs and their household income is $100,000 a year, okay? And they right now give to the church $6,000 a year, 500 a month. They kind of give consistently. It's not a tithe. That's not tithe. Tithe is 10%. So if it's 100,000, their tithe would be 10,000. But they're giving consistently and they give 6,000. And as they talk together, as they pray about this, because this is not a timeshare sell to you. Nobody's writing on the dotted line today. In fact, you got two more weeks to consider it and pray about it and surrender it to the Lord. It's not about me trying to turn your, your, your wrist today. But let's say they give, Jim and Nancy give 6,000, okay? And God, in their prayer, and they talking to each other, they say, you know what? We're going to add 3000 to that. We're going to add $150 a month. That gives their, their new normal giving in a year to what? 9000 Now, times two years, 9000 times two years is what, everybody? Don't do math in public. I know somebody said something wrong. It's all right. 18000 Now they look and they say, okay, that's our gift. And is there anything from stored resources or a savings account or any kind of asset? In fact, last week had a gentleman call me up and said, hey, look, I've got this restored war Jeep. That is restored war Jeep. It sits, it's in pristine condition. It's in my garage, but I never drive it. I got like 10 cars. I never drive, I never drive these old little classic cars. I want to give a couple of them to the church for the all in. Can I do that? I said, well, let me think about it. So he's giving a couple of cars to the all-in initiative. He's saying, I, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna give over here, but this is like a, 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 an asset that I just don't, I mean, I enjoy it, I enjoy looking at it, but I don't get it. I mean, I think it could benefit the kingdom of God, but some of you are already thinking, what's he selling it for? Maybe I'm interested, you know? Come talk to me, I'll make you a good deal. But, but let's say that, that that GP gave, right, is, is worth 12,000, or there's a rainy day fund, or you were gonna buy something, and you say, you know what, we're gonna put, we're gonna put this towards the campaign. I, I'm not asking you any, to do anything that Jan and I are not doing. And so he says, hey, 12,000, this may not be your situation at all, but this is Jim and Nancy. This is just Jim and Nancy. So 18,000 plus a gift over time or one big give of 12,000, their commitment is 30,000. Now that's Jim and Nancy. Here's, here, here's Susie. Susie, she gives $600 a year, $50 a month. She's a consistent. She, 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 she doesn't make 6,000 a year. She, probably, she makes 24,000 a year, okay? And, and, and she says, you know what? I'm gonna add $1,400 because I'm gonna give about 120 or so a month extra. And that puts her goal at 2,000 a year, which in two years is 4,000. And she says, I don't have a lot of assets, but you know what? I wanna do a big give and I'm gonna give $500 to the big give because I got a tax return coming or something like that. Or she got $500, she saved up for some, whatever. She's gonna put the kingdom of God first and she said, I'm gonna try this. And so her goal is 4,500. And now you got somebody, let's, let, let's, let's call him uh, Bob, okay? And Bob, Bob's been coming for a while, but has never given to the church. And you know what? I'm glad Bob's here. I'm glad Bob's here. If everybody's like faithfully given, it means we're not reaching people that, that need to take a next step in faith. So I'm glad that, I'm, you know what? If you're not here and you've never given into the offering, I'm glad you're here. You're welcome here. This is a church anyone can come to. I don't want you to stay there because I believe there's benefits you receive when you put God first, when you put his kingdom first. Build eternal castles. Build it by investing in the kingdom. And you know what? 
Bob he makes 36,000 a year and he says, I'm gonna start tithing. And I'm gonna give 3,600 over a year. And that's my new normal giving. And times two is 7,200. And I, I don't have a lot saved up, but I am gonna, I'm gonna give $800 when we, when we do a big give. And his is 8,000. Whatever it may look like, I'm inviting you to trust God and make a commitment to make a commitment. Whatever yours looks like is here. Janet and I, our, our goal has been, we prayed about it for months, way before we started this initiative, way before we had our first conversations with everybody on our dream team. God's calling us to give 20% of our income over the next two years. Now, we're also in the process of, of uh, 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 breaking ground on, an, on a home. We've been living in a, in, in, in a little duplex on the campus for, for over a year now. And we've been, we've been breaking ground. Like all this kind of came to the front. We said, well, is God telling us not to build? And we prayed about that. We didn't feel like he was telling us not to build, but he was saying, build my house first. And so we've been, we've been saving because our, 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 our debt, we're, we're debt free. All we have is a little rent payment in the duplex. That's it. And, uh, and, and we, just, we just bought some property. And so we... We just began to talk and, and God said, would you put my house first? And so um, we're going to do that. And when it comes to that stored asset, we're going we're gonna to take a portion. We could do more things in the house. We're going to take a portion. We're going to give the biggest offering we've ever given in the history of our marriage. When it's time to start this campaign on April 2nd. On March 5th, two weeks from now, we're going to have our Commitment Sunday. And I'm inviting you to bring your commitment card and your gold coin. If you didn't get a gold coin a couple weeks ago, pick one up. Our ushers are standing by. It represents the one talent that the servant buried. We're going to bring the gold coin. We're not going to bury it. We're going to bring it. I want you to bring it back. Every one of these coins will feed three children for an entire day. These are $1 coins. When we get it back, we're going to add however many coins we get back. We're going to immediately that next week, we're going to give that to our Feed One initiative and feed more children. But I'm asking you to bring that and not by itself, bring your commitment card. And whatever God calls you to do, do it. Don't do anything out of obligation. Do it out of the right heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And on March 5th, we're gonna receive our commitments. And I'm just asking you, listen, we may not hit 8 million, but it would be a tragedy if we didn't go all in. It would, be a, it would be a worse tragedy if we all didn't participate than if we don't hit a million. God's got that. You are the one that's gonna have to choose to be all in or not. Then on April 2nd, a month later, on the first Sunday in April, listen up, we're gonna have a Big Give Sunday and we're gonna start the All In Initiative. All of the giving is gonna start on that day. And we are gonna give the single largest offering in the history of the church. In our 90 years history, we're gonna give the largest single offering we've ever received. And I'm asking you to bring a portion of your commitment. Big or small, a tithe of that would be great. Let's get jumped up, let's, let's get hyped up, let's get, let's get pumped up, and let's let that catalyst of that big give propel us into what God has for us next. On these coins, isn't it interesting that even still in the depravity that our nation experiences, we're still writing some pretty important words on this? What are we writing? In God, your money can say it. Your money does say it. Let your heart say it. Pray with me. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, you know the greatest offering you could ever give the Lord is your heart. It's the greatest offering you could ever give. If you're here and you've not given the trust of your heart to the Lord to be your Savior, you haven't given the trust of your heart, your family, your life, your decisions to Jesus himself, I invite you to make that decision. I'm not going to embarrass you, but with all your heart, you've been listening to the music today, you've heard the, the, the sermon today, and something inside you said, I need to ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life. If that's you today, if that's you, you needed Jesus to be the center of your life, 
and you'd like to pray that today, would you raise a hand up in the air? I want to pray over you. Yeah, I see several hands. I see several hands across the room. Jesus loves you. He's not mad at you. He, he ordained your footsteps to be here today. God, I thank you for every person in this room, those that, that raised a hand to receive you as their Savior. In their own words, may they admit that, that without you, they can't fix their sin. They need a Savior. Father, would you wash their sin away? You invite the Lord in your own words. Jesus, I need you in my life. I want to live under your character and conduct and convictions and I want to use the word of God as the moral compass for my life. I surrender to you in Jesus' name. For those of you that are looking to put your functional trust in with your finances, you've struggled with your finances with all heads bowed and all eyes closed. And you say, you know, financial things have been a struggle and I want, I want to do the best to honor God. If that's you, I just want you to put a quick hand up. I want to pray for you. I love you. I don't want you, I want you to be praying alone on that. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus, I pray for the finances of every person in this room that they would give their trust over to you in Jesus' mighty name. That everything they have, they would see it not as theirs, but as yours. And they would honor you with the first, honor you with the right heart. In Jesus' name.